Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode Two of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is season two with the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. I'm certainly thankful for this wonderful network of podcasts that you can tune into and you can visit our website at scatteredabroad.org and there you will find podcasts for each day of the week. I want to highlight one of our Scattered Abroad Network podcasts today and today we're going to highlight the Bible Storming Podcast with Daniel Webster. This podcast premieres every second and fourth Sunday of the month at the Scattered Abroad Network. This is a podcast that is a deep dive into scripture, theology, and spirituality, quick-fire, content-saturated, thought-provoking. That is what this podcast is all about, the Bible Storming Podcast with Daniel Webster. I've tuned in to several episodes of that podcast, and you're in for a treat, let me tell you. Uh, Daniel is a very smart young preacher, and he uh, really covers some very, very deep theological topics, and I know that you will enjoy studying that. Just be prepared to put your thinking cap on, because as I said, uh, it is very deep, some of the topics that he discusses on the Bible Storming Podcast. Well, let's get into our content for today, James chapter 1. As we studied last week, part 1, today we will study part 2, verses 16. Through 27. Now, verses 16 through 18, we're going to notice the contrasting of the good things of God with the bad things of Satan. Verse number 16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Do not be deceived about what? Well, we don't need to be deceived and think that bad things come from God. They don't. Last week, we talked about how temptations don't come from God, and neither do just bad things in general. But no, bad things come from the devil. Verse number 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is contrasting the good things that come down from the Father in heaven. There's no variation with him. That is, there's no changing. There's no partiality. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says about the Son, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Father in heaven makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust, Matthew 5 verse 45. So good things come from God, and they always have. Bad things Well, they come from Satan, and they always have. So we don't need to be deceived. We don't need to blame God either when bad things happen in our lives in this fallen world. No, we don't need to blame God for bad things happening to us. We need to blame, number one, sin, which if you think about it, if we blame sin, we are blaming ourselves. And number two, we need to blame the father of sin, Satan when bad things happen in life. You know, God created this world to be good, 
And in Genesis chapter 1, he says over and over again, uh, it is good, it, it was good on the various things that he created. And then at the end of the chapter, he says, it was very good. You see, God created things very good. It wasn't until sin came along in chapter 3 of Genesis that we find things uh, beginning to take a turn for the worse. So let's not blame God, and let's not be deceived uh, and, and think that God is to blame. No, we need to blame Satan for the various bad things of life. Well, the best good thing that the Father gives is salvation. It's spiritual life through begetting us by the word of truth. Look at verse number 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth, or he begot us, by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Christians are born again by the word of God. John chapter 3, we're told that we must be born of water and of the Spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 5 verse 26 says, when we're born again, we're sanctified and we're cleansed with the washing of water by the word. Titus 3 verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done. No, we're not earning anything. We're not meriting anything. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We'll notice in James 1 verse 21 in just a moment that we receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted word which has the power to save our souls. That reminds me of Romans 1 verse 16, which says that the gospel is the power of salvation unto all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says that Christians were begotten through the gospel. And Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. So God's greatest gift then is that he begets or begets us as Christians through the word of God, through his greatest gift, his son, Jesus Christ. Good things, glad things, glad tidings, the gospel, the good news that comes from the Father. Well, look at verses 19 through 21. How do we respond to God's gift? Well, of course, we respond to it by accepting it, believing it, and obeying it. But also, we respond, verse number 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I think in context of talking about God's good blessings, especially his blessing of salvation, James is telling us that we need to be patient with people. We need to be patient with our fellow man. We need to bear with them. And just as God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, Second Peter 3 verse 9, so should that be our attitude. We need to be long-suffering and patient and bearing with other people, hoping that they would have an opportunity to repent and be converted to Christ and, and his gospel as well. And so we must be swift to hear. We need to be slow to speak. We need to be slow to wrath. I've often heard it said this way, God gave us two ears, but only one mouth for a reason. You see, we need to think before we speak. 
When it comes to sharing the good news with someone else, we need to think before we speak. We have to be patient with people. We have to realize that we were once in their shoes, too. Someone may ask us a question. In our minds, having studied God's Word uh, frequently and in depth, we might think, well, what kind of question is that? But that doesn't need to uh, come out of our mouth. We need to be patient with them. We need to say, well, good question, and and then show them through God's Word the answer to their question. Uh, We need to be careful not to be too blunt. Now, with some people, bluntness may work, but with other people, bluntness may uh, turn them off from wanting to hear anything else that we have to say. And so we have to be tactful. We have to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, verse 15. And as James says, we need to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Look at verse number 20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Are we going to get anywhere with people if we are wrathful toward them? If we mistreat people or if we arrogantly look down on people, are we really going to have much of a chance of converting them? Not likely. And dare I say, it's impossible. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't work that way. If they see us being wrathful and and mistreating people and looking down on people, that's not going to inspire them to want to be obedient to the gospel. Verse number 21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and all overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We have to put away these things if we expect to ever accomplish anything, spiritually speaking. We have to put away filthiness, sinfulness. We have to put away wickedness uh, because we're not going to be faithful Christians if we have these things present in our lives. We've got to do away with these things, and then we've got to receive the implanted or engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. We've got to eliminate the bad things, and then we've got to replace that void, if you will, with the good things from God's word. Incidentally, that is a continuous process, isn't it? You see, we receive the word when we initially obey the word, we obey the gospel, But we also must continually receive the word to continue faithfully in the gospel. As newborn babes, we are to desire the pure milk of the word that we can grow thereby. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that is the foundational teachings of scripture, for reproof, that is our initial conversion, for correction, that is bringing people back that have erred from the faith. And then finally, for instruction in righteousness. That's how we live a godly life acceptable to Christ, that the man of God may be complete, that complete, perfect picture, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we have to put off sinful things, we have to put on uh, righteous things, and in this context, that would include we have to put off wrathfulness. We don't need to be wrathful uh, towards other people. We need to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Well, let's look at verses 22 through 25. Being doers of the word. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Christians, everyday Christians, we must have an active faith. 
Because if we are not, then quite plainly, James says we're deceiving ourselves. An inactive faith that just sits in the pews and hears only, does nothing else, well, that doesn't do us any good. Notice what James says in verses 23 through 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. How many Christians walk away from their spiritual mirrors, if you will, spiritually unkempt, that is, sloppy, disheveled, spiritual slobs, we might say. Why? Well, because they hear the word, but they don't do anything with it. They may listen to the sermon, but then they go home, and they don't do anything with the sermon that they heard. They go to church, the preacher preaches, and then they go home. Okay? Uh, That is not being a doer of the word. They don't go home and study. They don't go home and apply it. They don't go home and teach it to others and teach it to their children. We've got to be doers of the word, not just hearers. James isn't talking about non-Christians in this context, by the way. He's talking about Christians. And so he's saying that we have to be active in our faith. We have to hear the word, and then we have to be doers of the word. Otherwise, we're deceiving ourselves. We're like a man who looks in the mirror, who thinks he looks great, but really he's not in the best of shape. And then he goes about his own way. Christians, we must be careful not to deceive ourselves. Let's make sure that we are uh, the type of person, the type of character that we must be to be faithful Christians. Well, finally, I want us to look at verses 26 and 27. We're going to notice some real-life examples of not being doers of the work. And then we're going to notice some examples of being doers of the work. Verse number 26, an example of somebody who is not a doer of the work. James says this, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. A couple things there. Number one, somebody may point to this verse and say, see, religion is not important. And quite frankly, it is a pet peeve of mine, and it should be a pet peeve of yours too. People who are downplaying religion and saying, oh, religion is not what's important. It's just about Jesus, and as long as we've got Jesus, uh, we don't need religion. Folks, they are completely missing the point. Uh, If we have Jesus, yes, we must have Jesus. We must preach him must preach him and and him crucified. And he is the foundation. He is the head of the church and he is the reason for everything. But we have to practice his religion to be in Christ. So it really frustrates me to no end when I see these people who, yes, they might be well-meaning, but they really have no idea what they're talking about when they say, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And they might point to this verse 26 and use that out of context and say, see, you're not supposed to be religious. See, uh, if he thinks he's religious, uh, his religion is useless. James is talking about hypocritical Christians here. He's not talking about religion in general. In the very next verse, in verse 27, talks about pure and undefiled religion. We must practice pure and undefiled religion. It, it frustrates me uh, how people can, can miss this. 
Uh, and a lot of times people, I think, maybe as just a matter of convenience, well, I don't want to get up and, and come to worship services, and so religion, no thank you. But uh, I believe in Jesus, and, and they just take it at that. Well, that's not at all what the Bible teaches about being faithful everyday Christians. Okay? So let's notice that. But also here in verse 26, notice that one sure sign of someone who's not a Christian or at least not a faithful Christian, is that he is a, we might use the expression, potty mouth. You ever heard that before? Somebody who uses foul language all the time, we call them a potty mouth. Uh, they are not being faithful Christians. Just by examining someone's speech, we can tell very quickly that there's not many Christians in this world, are there? People have terrible language these days. Every other word out of their mouths oftentimes are cuss words. Uh, not just foul language, but what about off-color language as well? Somebody tells them off-color joke. Oh, uh, and I'm not even going to say it, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. These jokes that people tell uh, that are sexual innuendos and just inappropriate. James says if someone does not bridle his tongue, and he's going to expound on this more in chapter 3, which we'll get to in a few weeks, he says, if a man is not bridling his tongue, he's not a Christian, basically. If any among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, what is he doing? He's deceiving his own heart, and this one's religion is useless. It's, it's vain. It's empty. It's void. It's not doing him any good. Okay, so two things we need to get from this verse. Number one, James is not saying that religion is useless. He's saying this man's religion is useless because he's a hypocrite. He's not controlling his tongue. Number two, that's just it. We as Christians, everyday Christians, we must control our tongues, not just in the worship assembly, not just at the church building, not just at the fellowship function around fellow Christians, but in the workplace, in a school environment, so on and so forth. In the, in the home, we must control our tongues. We have to bridle our tongues. Otherwise, our religion is completely pointless. Finally, verse number 27. Let's see an example of those who are being doers of the word. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, their affliction, and to keep oneself unspotted from Pure and undefiled religion is comprised of many things, but some of the things that are mentioned here by James include visiting the orphans and widows in their trouble, essentially taking care of people, serving people who have serious needs. That's pure religion. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, I was sick and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. Those things comprise faithful Christianity. And if we're not doing those things, dare I say, we're not faithful Christians. We've got to get involved in the work of the Lord. James says it here. Jesus said it there in Matthew 25. So that's number one, visiting orphans and widows in their trouble. And number two, pure religion, keeping oneself unspotted from the world. We must be holy, for God is holy, rather than worldly. These are examples of people who are living out their faith 
they are not looking at that mirror and then going their own merry way, spiritually sloppy. No, they're looking into that mirror of their heart and they're examining themselves and they're living right according to the principles of God's Word. That's James chapter 1. Lord willing, next week we will get into the first part of James chapter 2 on the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.